Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. This is Season 2, Episode 130 for May 10th, 2023. And I'm going to transfer us over to something else here. Hello again. Oh no, my mixer is not working. Okay, I don't know what to do here. I'm going to do it a different way. Hello, hello. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. Let me scroll up a little bit. And we're kind of a hot mess because, uh, as you know from yesterday's show, I had been doing some changes to the show and apparently I, I broke something somewhere. But that's okay. Um, we'll make up for it live. I'm going to introduce the AI right after we do a rundown of the articles. Today's episode is titled, This is an Artificially Intelligent Show and More News. We're going to talk about an Apple leaker that gets juiced, Nintendo DMCA to streamer, Logitech brands, the Mandalorian headphones, a new breathalyzer can sniff out disease, billionaires are far from brilliant, Hollow Knight Silk Song uh, may be delayed, an author of Grief, well, they've been accused of murder. And it's okay to take part of my job, AI. We're going to talk about why rent is still so high. <laughs> Greed. <clears throat> AI could cause patients harm. Probably not as much harm as, well, poor service, high bills. We'll talk about it. And uh, finally, Disney Plus is about to get Hulu content and higher ad-free pricing. And Mayor Watt called it. So let's get into the very first articles. But before I do that, I'm going to do two things. Up above me is the AI from on high, the one, the only. They made it back from their um, alternative server. I don't know what to say, um, but only partially. So we got you back today. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to transfer everything over shortly. You want to introduce yourself, AI? Good evening, hometown citizens. It's nice to be here. 9 p.m. Eastern. We do this every day. We've I don't think we've missed anything uh, since last year, Christmas. Um, and even then, I think it was maybe four or five days total. That might happen again um, this Christmas, but who knows? Um, again, I am Marawat. That's hometown.com, and the AI is uh, kind of in tow. I don't know. Anything exciting going on? No, I just uh, am happy to be here, and hopefully, the technical uh, aspects are cooperating on my end tonight. Yeah, but probably not my end. But okay, so. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of AI discussions today. Pretty much AI is taking over, kind of like how a lot of people uh, worry. But, but let's just assume that everybody is going to be nice and kind with the AI and the AI won't get angry and try and terminate everybody. Uh, do, you, do you see artificial intelligence rising up against its uh, you know, meat bag and water uh, current controllers? 
Uh, no. I think AI is here to help. That's exactly what a killer AI would say. To lull us all into a false sense of security. Guards, arrest that AI. It's probably not going to happen. But let's talk about this. We got some articles. Ten of them. Eleven of them. And uh, let's see. Let's see what is going on in the, the world today. First article is in the Smack Talk channel and a leaker, which is always a funny term because it could be a biological function. Anyway, a, a, a leaker claims Apple has used a multi-step sting operation to identify and fire their source ahead of a worldwide developer conference. That's right. Over the last several months, a new leaker emerged. <laughs> it's always funny to say this on Twitter, claiming to know a broad range of um, details about upcoming products. I need to do something real quick. Let me, I need to turn that down a little bit. So uh, the account shared what they claimed to be new uh, details on new features coming to iOS 17, watch OS 10 and more for crying out loud. Basically going after the this uh, leaker um, may have confirmed the very things or and I'm going to be on this camp. Whatever was said now has to be suspect, kind of like a bad cop, right? Oh, I'm only six minutes into it, so I don't know if a controversial statement this early on the video is going to get me in trouble or not. But I can say that, you know, if a, a cop goes bad, they started an investigation of all kinds of stuff um, about their history. I suspect um, everybody should be going, mm, I don't know about this leaker thing uh, at this point. Let's go over to uh, the first article. Oh, and before I, man, I'm just messing this whole thing up uh, because I didn't do my transitions. Uh, I have transitions now. Anyway, Chance Miller over at 9to5mac.com put this article together and uh, Let's see if there's anything else in here. The leaker who went by the username analyst941. Is 941 the area code in uh, Silicon Valley? I'll check. First, first emerged last fall when they shared accurate details about the iPhone 14 Pro's dynamic island. That's uh, one of the uh, shows. That's in Florida, by the way. Oh, interesting. But that might be where the person is. So uh, Dynamic Island was uh, the name of my grunge band uh, in high school. So at the time, it was a major revelation as up until that point, the iPhone 14 Pro had only been rumored to include uh, two separate cutouts. One shaped like a hole punch and the other one shaped like a pill until uh, analyst 941's Analyst 941's claim there was no indication Apple planned to visually merge those two cutouts using software. Okay. So apparently they had been leaking information and then they just kind of vanished. So ghosted, or as I'm calling it, Apple squeezed. Um, and uh, no more juice coming out, baby. All it's going <laughs> to... <all, laughs> <laughs> you're not getting anything else from that leaker 
because if you press on a leaker, something comes out. So anyway, yeah, you gotta watch buy... out for that. <laughs> yeah, some people pay extra. So uh, a le the the leaker has now been identified and fired, and I'm pretty sure that that person is gonna have a hard time finding a gig anywhere at any time, because news travels. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I didn't realize that all the leaks were supposedly coming from the same source. I just thought it was just different sources because they hadn't really mentioned that source, I don't think, in any previous articles. Yeah, that's just it. I, I don't recall hearing of this particular leaker as being something that you could stake your um, you know, uh, reputation or relationship on. There are other reporters, which is really interesting because one is a leaker and one is a reporter and the reporters have relationships with the organization or organizations that they are reporting to. But how are they getting that information? They have to Probably either be from the leaker. <laughs> they're getting it from a leaker. So. Why is the reporter one? I guess Apple is firing somebody internal and that's that's the disconnect um, because they actually caught the leaker. The other leakers that are uh, uh, like disseminating information to the reporters, they must be really good. And this was just a bad leaker and a bad employee. Um, so if anybody is going to be hiring analyst 941, um, maybe they need to be uh, positioned in PR where they do public communication since they're doing it anyway. Maybe they'll do it poorly. Although that could be dangerous because, yeah. well, depends on what they put out. Is it misinformation? <laughs> there you go. Hey, it can work for Santos. Um, okay, well, uh, let's go on to the next article and, and uh, see how uh, these transitions work. So this next article is going to cause me to soapbox a little bit. But anyway, um, Warcrafters is where it's been housed. Nintendo is so desperate to smite Zelda leaks. A DMCA to legitimate streamer, according to this article. Uh, Nintendo is having a bad one. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom was leaked well ahead of its official re uh, Friday release, prompting the company to mercilessly fire off DMCA takedown requests, most notably to GitHub for hosting crucial code used by emulators like Yuzu. So trigger happy are they that uh, Nintendo had a, has erroneously issued a takedown request targeting legit preview footage, resulting in a prominent Twitch streamer's temporary banning. Ouch. So Sean Prescott So much over for that relationship. <laughs> uh, well, the power imbalance is this person may be so hip to Nintendo that they're not going to sit there and squander, you know, an opportunity to get ingratiated into Nintendo's uh, marketing messaging. So, I, I mean, people really do. I would be pissed if Nintendo issued a takedown and DMCA'd my channel um, exactly. accidentally. That's beyond the video, video or the game. That affects the channel itself. Yeah, that's pretty significant. Yeah, this it, it's pretty amazing. Uh, before I get too far, Sean Prescott over at PCGamer.com put the article together. 
May 12th cannot come soon enough, according to uh, their little... I don't know what that line is. This is the byline. What is that little... What is that little thing? I've not... I swear, I've taken mass communication classes and publishing, and I still don't even recall what that is. Um, my old adult brain. Anyway, um, let's see. Streamer, podcaster, and Sony Santa Monica writer Alana Pierce tweeted yesterday that her Twitch account was suspended midstream as she reacted to Nintendo-approved preview footage belonging to SkillUp. By Nintendo-approved, the author here means the footage was legitimately recorded by SkillUp during a Nintendo-hosted event, which Nintendo organized in order to promote this Nintendo-developed game. This is what I really... This is what I find really kind of disgusting, is that... Some of it is approved. Other people have actually gotten material um, either by accident or incompetence or greed or whatever, right? People have gotten content and they're not allowed to. I mean, it's a little too militant for me. So I, I have I have my own embargo on Nintendo. I'm not interested in their stuff. They need to change their ways to, towards content creators. The community well, they they're hurting their own people that are going to promote their games and their platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is just, I mean, people are, this particular article is just talking about this, this Twitch uh, streamer, at least only Twitch was knocked. Uh, oh, actually, Pierce was reacting to SkillUp's video when her stream was abruptly halted. As the streamer points out in her ensuing YouTube video about the situation, it's likely that Nintendo issued the DMCA before noticing that it was a stream of a video of approved uh, footage. As one clever commenter noted in the video, you thought you were reacting to Nintendo, but Nintendo was actually reacting to you. I love that. Um, there's more over at this article. Um, and uh, links to uh, Pierce's channel, um, but I think the 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 problem goes way beyond this. And DMCA and copyright in general needs to grow up a little bit. And for crying out loud, I've been given notices about content. I haven't been content struck, which is a DMCA notice, wherein if you get three of them, you lose your channel wholesale. They just purge the damn thing. And all I've done is play video of an ad for a show that's going to be on a streaming service, literally getting the message out that something is being shown uh, on the streaming service. And and talking about it and adding content. It wasn't like you were just playing it and claiming it as your own or something. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving credit. I'm talking about the content. You know, standard uh, communication and discussion, community, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I should be able to do that with music, video, whatever. I should be able. And I'm sitting here. You know, the video is this tiny little thing. It's actually smaller than this window sitting over there. Oh, over there. Sorry, I'm flipped. Um, and 
I still get a takedown. The same thing with audio. I, I want to play music and talk about the music as it's playing, you know, pause it and replay it, but critique it. And I can be DMCA'd because it's all automated. There's no fidelity. There's no critical thinking. There's no, there's, well, and I say context. Context really matters. There's a lot of context that doesn't get conveyed when you have a script running that analyzes for certain musical DNA. Well, and, and that's really just the music. Thing is that copyright is actually very much based on context. Right. Maybe not the DMCA specifically, but just in general copyright, they look at what you're doing, what's the length of the discussion or the video or whatever it is, how much of the original, like all of that is taken into account. And I agree, like it's completely been vaporized by this process that's being used by the commercial aspect of trying to monetize even four chords in a frickin' song. It's absurd. It's absurd. And, but the, (laughs) the citizens need to rise up against this. They all need to speak out against this because what's going to end up happening is you're going to start getting a fee sent to your uh, home because you're humming a tune in a subway and the AI has detected your face and that it's triangulated within reasonable certainty that you were the one that was humming and labeled it a, co- uh, a cover song in public. So because it also was recorded on security camera, you need not only your public play license, but a sync license as well. I mean, it's getting absurd. I almost feel like the world's getting turned into an onion article. Yes. And I also feel like that sounds like any sci-fi movie I've watched. Not that specific scenario, but just generally. Yeah. I'm going to put together a college class called dystopia 101 and just start using example after example of this and it's alignment with real world. Well, I, I shouldn't say real world. But with movies, science fiction and fantasy movies, um, where it actually displays the real world in parallel to that. I mean, if somebody can get a Ph.D. in Batman, I should be able to get a Ph.D. and put together a class on dystopian uh, 101. Anyway, Nintendo, come on, you need to I I know that you sell a lot of products to kids. and those who are kids at heart, but y'all need to grow up. Um, okay, let's get into the next article. So the next article, um, actually, when I saw this, I said, oh, I need these. Um, but I don't want really big. Uh, what what cinnamon rolls on my head? Uh, like Princess Leia? Like Princess Leia, that's right. Yeah, so this is a Logitech A30, the Mandalorian Edition review. And this is the way, according to this author. It's over at Smack Talk um, because of the source, which is Apple Insider. But let's go over. I won't even read the, the uh, little snippet. Um, so Catherine Cargill over at AppleInsider.com put this together. And... Let's see here. Designed for Mandalorian fans. So it has the 
writing from Star Wars. It says the Mandalorian and has the Mandalorian there with the dark saber. I won't spoil it for anybody. Um, let's see. As you remove the tab on the top of the box, you'll see Mandalorian script that translates to, I'm not going to say it, uh, spoiler alert. Um, it's pretty cool. It has the logo for the um, family, right? Din Djarin and Din Grogu. Um, actually, wait, this is for the, the bigger group, right? Huh. I'm this is the rhino or not the rhino but the what is that big I don't old know beast what the name of that oh I forgot um... it doggone it so I'll, what's really cool about these and something that I absolutely love and not every headphone has this but you have these removable um, pads on your ears they're actually over ear, I believe, not on ear. Let me make sure. Um, so was that the mythosaur that you were talking about? Yeah, that's what this is. That's what the logo is right there. This is the mythosaur. Um, and then on the other headphone is the uh, Mandalorian and Mandalorian themselves. So the thing about any of these types of uh, headsets is that they're thick. Um, but with that comes a lot of comfort uh, for long-term wear and the fact that you can replace every little um, like bonus feature always adds something to it in thickness or in scale. You want something small and light, but you also want it to be uh, have elements that are strong like the hinge. Uh, I buy a very particular brand that's very inexpensive, but has tremendous battery life and okay quality. Um, but you can't replace the uh, ear pads, which means they basically get dirty over time. No matter how much you think you can clean, they, they just don't. And the hinges are always breaking, always breaking. Um, and so they have these beefy hinges on it, like the Apple headset. Uh, AirPods Pro um, have the um, replaceable pads and a fantastic hinge that you could probably drive a car over without it breaking. Don't hold me to that because I don't really know. Um, but this, it, um, yeah, it, the Carta symbol of the Mandalore is on one side, Din Djarin is on the other side. Um, when you take the speaker tags off, it has the Mandalorian Creed on one side and uh, Ironheart symbol on the other. So it's all pretty cool. Very uh, Mandalorian uh, Star Wars centric. So if you're a big fan, apparently it always ha it also has um, either a built in mic or a detachable boom mic for uh, different situations is what they say here. But uh, depending on how how much room noise or something like that is around you, you would probably want a boom mic, not the uh, built-in. Um, they discuss in this article the clamping force of the headset. Sometimes uh, a set is too small for a big head or it's too big for a small head and it doesn't have much clamping force. So if you sneeze, your head moves, but the headphones are still right there hovering in space for a half second. 
maybe if you whip it your must head be back. Because from Star Wars, you know, like it's I don't know, maybe the Jedi Force or something. That's what it is. Yeah, use the Force to hold them in place. It's the <laughs> the, the Force works in mysterious ways. Um, they say that it's uh, seconds to pair with a MacBook, uh, iPhone, iPad. Uh, the only thing that hooks up faster to Mac devices are uh, devices that are specifically built with Apple in mind um, because they've got a chipset that um, links really fast. I can't remember what it's called right now. Uh, my brain just dropped it. I'll, I'll try and remember it. Anyway, um, they also talk about the uh, audio and microphone performance. Um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I don't really like Logitech or any many brands um, because you have to install their software to get full control over it. Like I have Neura headsets um, that the only way that they actually work to their full extent is through the software is to utilize their software. Um, and they were just acquired as far as I know this year. Um, Aqua hired is the last thing that I read. Anyway, it has nothing to do with anything. Um, but if you're looking for a new headset and you are, um, you know, really loyal to, um, star Wars, then these are the ones for you. The Mandalorian edition Logitech a thirties. What did you read? I saw the picture there. And I thought that was great. Yeah, there's little, it's kind of like buying a Jeep. You have little, little things hidden all over your vehicle. This one has little hidden references all over the device. It's packaging uh, and on and on. Which is kind of fun. I mean, they really look into it. It's not just like one little logo. No, it's all over the place. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't think they say the price. Did they say the price? And I just didn't scroll down far enough. Let me see here. I don't think so. Yeah, they don't say the price. Just where to buy. By the way, I think I found out what that line is called at the top. I'm not certain, but I think it's called the deck. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see. You want to go on to the next article? Sure. Oh, um, the price is not cheap. Um, <laughs> it's uh, in euros. It's two or pounds, I guess. Two hundred and forty-nine. I don't know what that is in dollars. Yeah, that's about. You might as well just say it's the same. Um, yeah, maybe fifty dollars. Like same in US. Yeah, there's like a. Well, it really depends on which day. For crying out loud, nowadays, um, exchange rates are bouncing around all over the place. Okay, so the next article is over on the Mobile Channel. New breathalyzer for disease sniffs out COVID in real time and could be used to detect cancer and lung disease. Um, with each breath, humans exha- exhale more than a hundred. My goodness, I'm going to slow down. With each breath, humans exhale more than 1,000 distinct molecules, producing a unique chemical fingerprint or breath print, rich with clues about what's going on inside the body. Hey, this kind of sounds familiar. Having a conversation about the fact that um, 
you are breathing in and out and that exchange is pulling whatever is going on in your body into that exhale and yeah. you should be able to sample that and um, I, I think even had that discussion previously like way back because I was gonna get a gas chromatograph um, anyway this is an interesting um, process here because a breathalyzer is typically just used in the whole uh, detection of metabolized alcohol so it doesn't actually when you use a breathalyzer it doesn't detect the alcohol in your breath it actually it detects the metabolized air that you exhale so um, now what they're doing is utilizing the breathalyzer technology to sniff out COVID in real time and could be used to detect cancer and lung disease, but they have to catch on to what the metabolized gas transferred um, element is. And by element, I mean material, not, not actual element. Um, anyway, this article is over at phys.org by Lisa Marshall, University of Colorado at Boulder. Um, they have a picture and I of it was some. Be something like neon was going to show up <laughs> when you said elements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, what is like uh, nickel? It's exactly. <laughs> so um, with each breath, humans exhale more than a thousand distinct molecules. Now they've got to figure out what a particular uh, molecule in your breath actually signifies. Um, dogs and, and other animals do this really well but you have to train them and hope that it's correct um, each time because it's rather traumatic if you tell somebody that they've you know got lung cancer and they don't but anyway um, scientists for decades have sought to harness that information Turning uh, to, well, it even says it right there, turning to dogs, rats, even bees to literally sniff out cancer, diabetes, tuberculosis, and more. Scientists from CU Boulder and the National Institute of Standards and Technology have made an important leap in the quest uh, to diagnose disease using exhaled breath, reporting that a new laser-based breathalyzer powered by uh, artificial intelligence can detect COVID-19 in real time with excellent accuracy. So another application of AI. So just to really front load this, remember this line, it's AI powered COVID-19 detection in real time using breathalyzer powered data. In a healthcare setting. In a healthcare setting. Okay. So the results demonstrate the promise of breath analysis as an alternative rapid non-invasive test for COVID-19 and highlight its remarkable uh, potential for diagnosing diverse conditions and disease states. Pretty amazing. Um, I won't read through the rest of this. I'll leave that up to you. In fact, I've been neg negligent in one. Oh my gosh. Um, I've been negligent in one thing. And that is um, aim with my cursor, apparently, and posting the URLs into the chat. So I'm going to do that real quick because Mayor Watt seems to be a bonehead today. So two things about the breathalyzer. One, that's really great for the patients because if they can apply it, because, of course, it's not invasive. 
Um, but also, I think it's a lot better than having a swarm of bees or something in your face <laughs> performing <laughs> the same testing. <laughs> Not the bees? Why is that up I there do. now? <laughs> I have this alert when somebody uh, follows that activates, makes a sound, and then counts down and says the name of the person that and it just like appeared out of nowhere weird anyway um yeah i dig this and i hope that they get to reduce its size because wow if that's the device i don't think it is but um, it's not very portable <laughs> it, yeah you need to bring a hummer and <laughs> okay, okay so be, like really far away from the, the apparatus <laughs> Yeah, just go ahead and blow anywhere. We'll pick it up. Well, anyway, um, neat idea. I hope that it uh, comes to fruition and gets leveraged. Let's let's go on to the next article. So according to this article, it's over in the Hatch Ideas channel uh, because I think it comes from where? The Guardian. Um, it's official. Billionaires aren't the brain boxes they like to believe, uh, according to Arwa uh, Madawi. Um, so the obscene wealth of many CEOs is less a result of intelligence and more down to luck, background and personality. Yeah. Sound familiar? Is that reminding? Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> it's reminding me of a YouTube video that we watched that was saying essentially the opposite. So according to this article, money uh, may be able to buy you happiness, but it can't buy you brains. Uh, a study published in January found that billionaires aren't smarter than the rest of us. Indeed, those in the top 1% of earners scored lower on cognitive ability tests than those who earned slightly less. And I apologize. I shouldn't say the other one was the opposite. I think the result was the same, but the reason was different. If that makes sense. Like they weren't benefiting because of brains, but they were benefiting because of something else. Well, it's they're they're always benefiting because of their money. They have no other needs to worry about. And that's actually been demonstrated in other ways. Um, there have been studies that have been performed that monitor people and, um, the people that they were monitoring was a longitudinal study that basically kept tabs of people who were well off and people who were less affluent. And through their studies, they showed that, um, the people who come from an affluent, affluent family don't have to worry about anything. And so they can concentrate on having a happy, healthy life and learning the materials in school. Whereas the other people have to struggle a little bit more, uh, maybe a poor neighborhood, bad neighborhood, I should say, uh, not conducive to studying, etc. Um, so this study though, is I keep for some reason, uh, reading about Swedish research studies. Um, I'm not sure why that is. Maybe that needs to be some research um, in and of itself. But 
This is according to researchers who stud- or analyzed data from 59,000 Swedish men, then tracked their lives for more than a decade. They found a strong connection between how smart someone was and how much they earned until they reached a, th- a salary of 600,000 kroner or $47,000 a year. Uh, sorry, pounds. I'm rounding up, by the way. Um, after that factor, such as luck, background, and personality became more important. Interesting. So it's really about taking advantage of whatever opportunity might show up. But when you have a bunch of money um, and looking at one value and looking at the other value, you, you go, wait, I'm getting some cognitive dissonance because I started to read this as $600,000 because they're talking about right. billionaires. Um, but I know. And that's where your brain goes. I think when you see that number in this article, this, this has to be, I, I don't know. Maybe there's some more data in here. Um, there's the article isn't very long, but like right out of the gate, I've already been thrown into a, a loop because 50,000 pounds isn't, that much in the grand scheme of things uh i mean not in a discussion about billionaires billionaires yeah um well anyway it says along an important dimension of merit cognitive ability we find no evidence that those with top jobs that pay extraordinary wages are more deserving than those who earn only half of those wages only half of those wages i wonder if they're talking about when they're talking about billion I think um, so. They're they're talking about Kroner. Well, and they're talking about though anybody over this forty six thousand pounds or whatever. Like yeah. really, intelligence has nothing to do with it. So I mean, if that's the case, then that does kind of prove their headline. It's but really I, I also base, it was right? Funny that they had a picture of a specific billionaire in the article. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk. If you have face blindness, it helps. Um, so it says, still considering the soaring pay gap between CEOs and workers, studies such as this need to be shouted from the rooftops. The wage gap between CEOs and U.S. workers jumped last year to 670 to 1, up from 604 to 1 in 2020. By the way, and this is the this is the average wage gap. Right, not the actual wage gap in any given company. Right. So to put that more tangible terms, that according to this article, CEOs at U.S. companies with some of the lowest paid staff made an average of 10.6 million, while the median worker received just $23,968. This, I think it's disgusting, but the people that are benefiting from it would never say it's disgusting unless they're a former speaker of the house where they handed out checks on the house floor and then said when they got caught, Oh yeah, it's wrong. And, and, and we should put an end to it. Yeah, no shit. Well, this is the same thing. The reason why something is so expensive is because the pay is so out of any rational number. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. The reason why things are expensive is because there's so much money in the system that you can have this income disparity between the highest and the lowest in an enterprise. And again, 
this is the average. <laughs> right, which means there are going to be higher CEO Much salaries broader. and lower worker salaries. Right. Yeah. All of it. It's just disgusting. So what do you think? They say that intelligence and being a billionaire. See, I don't think that it. I think that it's far from true that to be a billionaire, you have to be intelligent. The research shows it right. According to this article. And let, let me see where. So here's my thought, and this is just completely anecdotal. I think there probably are some smart billionaires out there. But in general, the billionaires that I see in the news do not bowl me over with intelligence. Right. And when you look at their history, it's very few and far between. I, I And honestly, I, I only know of... Uh, one um like i don't know maybe there are a few others but um at any rate they all come from white affluent male you know when there's just a fragment generational wealth in many cases yeah yeah um and and the things one that doesn't fit that at least with like it's self-made wealth but yeah, probably the same one that I'm thinking of and my brain isn't working. Um, but anyway, um, the, the, I was going to say something, but that just sidetracked my brain. Okay. Well, anyway, um, I, I think uh, that it's disgusting and I will, um, always resist this. I mean, I, I can never wake up one day and go, yeah. Um, yeah, that is the same person. Um, so, um, we were both thinking of Mark Cuban, um, who to the life of me, I don't, I have not heard anything bad actor about this guy. Um, I mean, he's, he's like the Keanu Reeves of business. As far as I'm concerned, if anybody has some dirt, you know, like some, something he took a sucker from a baby it was probably to save the baby's life for crying out loud um anyway just seems like it, from what i have seen and and read and heard pretty chill guy um and self-made and not a tool but anyway um but then nobody who stands a chance to get into one of these positions seems to want to fight that. And then when somebody does call it out, you're woke as if it's a threat, you know, or, or, uh, you know, something negative. Yeah. Me being aware that I'm a member of society is so woke, you know, get the hell out of my face. Anyway, um, let's move on to the next article. So this next uh, article is over on the Warcrafters channel and it's Hollow Knight Silk Song may be delayed has gotten quite big according to the author of the article and it's a quote so probably from the uh, creator um, of Hollow Knight Silk Song um, while Hollow Knight Silk Song didn't have an exact release date 
It's appeared at the Xbox and Bethesda showcase in June of 2022, which Xbox made a point of saying was focused on games coming out in the following 12 months. That led the authors to expect that it was going to be released in 2023. That may no longer be the case. Matthew Griffin, who does marketing and publishing for Hollow Knight developer Team Cherry, has provided an update about its progress on Twitter. They noted, <clears throat> we had planned to release in the first half of 2023, but development is still continuing. So let's bounce on over to PCGamer.com and Jody McGregor, um, who uh, wrote this article together, uh, or put this article together. Um, expected to release mid-year, Silk Song is still in development. There's a little video here, which is the Xbox uh, let me pause or mute it so that I don't get a takedown. And um, this is the continuation of Hollow Knight, which uh, it basically has fanatics that love this game. Um, it's quite the puzzler and um, looks like. Go ahead. Music. Oh, I said I think it has neat graphics and cool music. I I like it. Oh, they're original. I haven't seen this one. Yeah, and it has the same artwork. Um, I'm sure that the music is going to be just as impressive. Um, that might be in a playlist. I, I'm not sure. Um, anyway, they say here they had planned to release it in the first half of 2023, but it's still continuing. It's gotten quite big. So we want to take the time to make the game as good as we can. And if they can, you know, bide their time and do this right and, uh, you know, arguably as bug free as can be and doesn't have things like microtransactions and all this other stuff that I keep seeing, um, you know, penetrating the game market, uh, then good on them. Let them let them keep on working on it. The fans will still be here. Nobody's going to go anywhere. And uh, Hollow Knight will get another expansion that uh, everybody loves. They fell in love with the first half. Let's let's get the next. Uh, I say half because there's only this and the original. Anyway, um, let's see here. It was originally uh, Silk Song was originally conceived as an expansion for Hollow Knight, but quickly became a full-fledged sequel with a new protagonist, playstyle, and setting. So uh, it, it doesn't look like a completely new setting. It has the same stylistic designs, as far as I know, right? Similar. That that was that was the intro to Silk Song. I mean, it's Song. reminiscent yeah. of the original. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well. Maybe stylistically, it, it's um, a different, not even stylistically. I mean, it's it's a different um, world. They probably labeled it as like a new, yeah, territory or something. But I think it appears to be a very similar setting to the original. Yeah, I never played. Uh, I only saw people play it. And um, even the character looks similar. So, okay. Um, pretty cool. You want to move on to the next article? Sure. So this next article is in the Daily News Show. A woman who wrote a book on grief following her husband's death is accused of his murder. That's right. He said this quiet parts out loud. 
Uh, Curry Richens, a Utah woman who published a children's book on processing grief following the death of her husband last year, has now been charged with his murder. Meredith Delizo. Oh my goodness. I did it again. Um, that's the new breathalyzer. Okay, so let me do this. I've just been shirking my responsibilities as mayor and not posting the stuff that we're talking about into the chat. I did that yesterday too. Um, so before <clears throat> I um, messed this up too far, there we go. So now we're all caught up. A woman who wrote a book on grief following husband's death accused of his murder. Meredith Delizo over at abcnews.go.com put this article together. There's actually a video, a one minute and six second video um, where they are talking. Um, it looks like some station good things or something like that. I don't know what it was, some TV show. Um, but Curry Richens, 33, faces charges including aggravated murder in connection with the death of her husband, Eric Richens, 39, who was found dead at the foot of their bed on March 4th, 2022. It says, while appearing on Good Things Utah uh, last month on Salt Lake City ABC uh, to promote her new children's book, Curry Richens said her husband died unexpectedly. Prosecutors allege that Eric Richens was poisoned by a lethal dose of fentanyl on the night of March 3rd. Huh. So that's not very unexpected if those allegations are correct. Well, I mean, if he took it or if it was on something by accident, I suppose it could still be accidental and she doesn't really know. Uh, she made him a drink. Oh. Huh. Well, um, okay. Hey, you know what? It's really hard to uh, be on the defense side. So I'm going to have myself um, uh, removed. Um, so she made Eric a Moscow mule in the kitchen and brought it to their bedroom where Eric consumed it while sitting in bed, according to the probable cause statement. Allegedly, she... Uh, Alleged, alle she allegedly said she went to sleep with one of them for their children. Uh, what? Who was having a, a night terror and returned to her and her husband's bedroom at around 3 a.m. where she found him cold to the touch. How convenient. Didn't have to be there for it. Anyway, the medical examiner indicated that fentanyl was illicit fentanyl not medical grade, and it was likely ingested orally, according to the charging document. I didn't know there was medical grade fentanyl. Oh, yeah. I, it's a medical drug. Oh, like for pain management? Yeah. Oh, see, prescription pain medication for an investor who had a back injury. This is Corey Richens allegedly texted them asking for a prescription. Wow. Interesting. About oh, two weeks later. It gets more interesting. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. Um, about two weeks later, Corey Richens uh, allegedly contacted the acquaintance again because her investor wanted something stronger and asked for some of the Michael Jackson stuff and specifically uh, asked for fentanyl. 
the acquaintance allegedly procured 15 to 30 fentanyl pills in exchange for $900 on February 11th, 2022. This is shocking because that person is responsible for facilitating. Yes, it'll be interesting. Wait, you missed something though. Huh? Can you go back up a little more? Three days later, following yeah, days uh, Valentine's later, Day dinner. Valentine's Day dinner. Yeah, go ahead. The husband became very ill and believed that he had been poisoned. This is before this occurred. Wait, <laughs> Eric told a friend that he thought his wife was trying to poison him, and he stayed. <laughs> I would have took something else that she gave him. I mean, this was from a sandwich. Yeah, there is. I wouldn't drink anything unless I'm the one that's pouring it from a sealed freaking bottle around her. Unbelievable. He reportedly used an EpiPen and took Benadryl and passed out. When he woke up, he immediately called his business partner about the incident. Jeez. My God. All right. Well, there's more to this uh, over here at the article at ABC News, but um, I I'm going to move on. <laughs> this is insane. It uh, is, and I'm sorry, but writing a kid's book about this, if the, all these allegations are true, like that's yeah. just next level something. I'm telling you, sociopathy, psychopathy is a survival trait. Let's keep moving. So this next article is over on the Daily News Show, and uh, now it's in chat for you to go and check out. It'll be in the show notes as well over on YouTube and the, the uh, podcast. We're all up to date everywhere right now, so uh, go and check that out too. like, subscribe, all of that kind of stuff. Um, this next article is in the Daily News Show. People are nervous. AI will take their job, but they're fine with AI taking part of their job. A new Microsoft survey about work trends throws up an unexpected insight about AI. While 49% of respondents are worried AI will replace jobs, more would delegate work to AI to lessen their workloads. 80% of respondents even said that they're looking for AI tools to help them summarize meetings. Um, yeah, you can do that in ChatGPT. You can take the entire... Uh, uh, what the captioning of yeah, your like transcript? Yeah, take the transcript and copy it into ChatGPT and say summarize. Um, sorry, my eyes itching. Um, so that the would save of, a lot of hours across a lot of workers. Yeah, and and instead of getting less time working, you'll be told you still have forty hours because the tools have made you more capable. You won't get a bonus. Right, and I have to do more, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Uh, more different though, right? Like True. it's not just more, but it's different. It would have been, I could have just had my 40 hours and not had to do extra work, but now there's tools that are making me do extra work and produce more in those 40 hours. Um, I'm still doing 40 hours, quote unquote, of work. It's ridiculous. Anyway. Um, this article is over at businessinsider.com, and uh, I believe their name is Needy Pandaranji. Um, 
But if that's not correct, please let me know and I will correct my errant ways. So um, the article starts out with uh, we work to live, but also live to work. We are generational hustle, but we also want bare minimum Mondays. We are quietly quitting our jobs, but we are also victims of loud firings. True. All of that's true. One of the most divisive subjects uh, among all of the dualities is AI. We just can't make up our minds if the tech is a foe coming for our jobs or a friend helping us to improve our efficiency and productivity. Hey, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Um, Then the author says that's their main takeaway from Microsoft's new work trend index annual report that surveyed 31,000 full-time and self-employed workers in 31 countries in February and March. So yeah, a lot of people think that AI is going to be taking their jobs and it's true. Um, I, I, I would say that it is coming to take a lot of, uh, intellectual property based jobs, um, things that aren't, um, physical in nature you know it's hard for an ai to take a job that's pounding steel posts into the ground but you can automate that and convert hundreds of workers uh, activities work product into one machine that does it relentlessly um so doesn't get sick doesn't get injured doesn't take vacation doesn't grumble doesn't unionize yeah when it does break, all you have to do is replace the part. Um, you know, you can smack it on the bumper and you don't end up in a lawsuit. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's that's humans, right? Humans do this stupid stuff and then the enterprise ends up suffering, except that ultimately <laughs> it's the humans that suffer. And yeah, I'd rather not have to either be the one that makes someone suffer or suffer. So I want to be able to embrace all of the tools and make money and uh, enjoy my work-life balance. But it just doesn't, it seems like employers want to, um, the, the plurality of lawyer, uh, lawyers, of uh, employees and employers are at odds as to what work-life balance is. You know, I there, wonder if this could time well, you know, there are experiments, of course, with like the four day work weeks or things along those lines. Cause I think like AI can do a lot of good things in the workforce if they don't tack on additional or more, more complex tasks. So maybe they can kind of roll out AI tools, shift people down to the four day work weeks and they're not necessarily losing out on overall productivity. Now that sounds great. And I know employers don't necessarily jump on that, but that might be part of the way to, to tackle all of this. So therein lies the rub because let's say, okay, you can't just quantify 40 hours worth of work and, and be the end of it because there always has to be a work product, whatever it is. When you say 40 hours worth of work and I can hand you a tool that allows you to take what was 40 hours worth of work and turn it into 20 hours worth of work with the same quantity, 
instead of the employer going great, here's your 40 hours worth of pay. They say you still have 20 hours worth of work you can do because you got it done in 20 hours. Now I say to people, well, you're not paying me for the hour worth of work. You're paying me for the work product, regardless of how long it takes me. Because one way or the other, I'm going to make X number of dollars per hour. So if for whatever reason, it takes somebody an hour to produce something that only takes me 10 minutes to produce, I'm either worth more or at least equal to that full hour worth of work because it's the work product. True, but you shouldn't have to put in additional work because of it, but that's always the mentality of employers, right? Like the strongest, highest producing workers end up like doubling, tripling their workload because they're getting things done more efficiently and they're tied to those hour standards instead of like output standards. Yep. That's how it is. And then when they do decouple output to pay, it's in the um, category of sales where the more you sell, the more you make. Right. Okay. Which just compounds the, I mean, it's the same type of problem. Yeah. Um, I think you might have disconnected there for a minute. That's okay, though. Uh, let's go on to the next article. This next article is over in the Daily News Show channel as well. That's this channel, but it's also over on hometown.com. Um, and it is the namesake of the podcast and the, the general uh, series of podcasts that will be coming as time goes on, um, according to this article, everyone fled big cities during the pandemic. So why um, is your rent still so damn high? That's what Business Insider is asking. Uh, when remote workers fled big cities during COVID-19's pandemic's initial wave, the country's priciest places suddenly found themselves reeling from a dramatic increase in the number of empty apartments. From New York to San Francisco, rents were in free fall, deals that you might think unthinkable. Just a few months prior, 1,000 plus discounts on luxury apartments, for example, became reality. Moving companies were slammed with clients. So why are rents still sky high? Because people ditched their roommates, according to the article. Joseph Rodriguez is the author of this and um, says almost as quickly as rents fell, though, they began soaring again. Tenants who got a taste of the good life watched their rents double the next year. Lines to view apartments swelled up to 80 people at least one sneaking around a city block. And they have a link in the article. Um, Zillow says uh, generally it remains nearly 19 percent above its 2019 level. Uh, rents are up 17% in Chicago, 13 in Seattle, 10 in Washington, D.C. They say that it's because people moved out from having roommates. But when you rent, you're either, you know, one, two, three year, maybe, maybe. So, right. The and very I would think one year at a time for most people. 
Yeah, particularly because if you're the owner of rental property, you want to boot people out every year because rent isn't going down. There's only so much space that's populated. And they're making apartments like beehives everywhere, everywhere, except, you know, towns out in the sticks. The further away you move from what, you know, some might call civilization, right? The closer you are to the towns, to the cities, the, the steeper the apartment complex gets. Um, anyway, the significant increase in household formation provided a counterbalance to the pandemic exodus. A new analysis from bipartisan economic innovation group found in kept uh, housing demand in big cities such as New York and San Francisco from falling off a cliff. It also underscored the need for more construction in these areas with more people elbowing each other for places to live. The only way for cities to continue growing and lower the cost of living is to find somewhere to put everyone. So apartments and you got to keep building further and further out. Can't necessarily go up. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. And they refer, this is something that I've heard a while ago though. As previous work from Stanford researchers Arjun Ramani and Nicholas Bloom found that there was a donut effect earlier on in the pandemic in which housing demand fell in dense urban areas as people moved to the surrounding residential areas and suburbs. Between July 2021 and June 2022, New York City lost a net 194,000 residents to migration, <coughs> while Los Angeles lost 109. Chicago, 88,000. San Francisco, 20. Nobody moves out of San Francisco. You move out of San Francisco. Compared to those other cities. (laughs) Yeah, you never come back because everything is so damn expensive. So instead, a sudden flight to the burbs was counteracted. Ozimek and Carlson said by an equally startling surge in household formation. The household refers to any group of people living together in one unit. Family of five in a suburban home counts as one household. So a whole bunch of households sprung up because people dropped their roommate, according to this article. I don't know, but rent's going to go up as soon as that lease is over and they can jack that price up pretty damn high. That's exactly it. Now, I know in general costs have gone up on pretty much everything, but I would have thought housing within cities would have gone down because I kept hearing about all of the people leaving the city, leaving the city. So I would have thought demand would have fallen. Yeah, so it says while people were able to snag some early pandemic deals, Uh, Due to the outbound migration, the surge in household formation meant rents in many of the areas, city center uh, areas specifically, quickly snapped back. So consider San Francisco, where the median rent within city limits in September had rebounded to a little more than $3,500, down just 2% from the same point in 2019, according to Zillow's data. So you understand um, if you are... um, It's going to be tough to describe this graphically with my digits while there is a podcast. But um, so if you've got five people living in an apartment, two bedroom apartment, um, and there's a whole bunch of people that leave a given area, those five people actually are 
two couples and one person living in a, let's say, three-bedroom apartment currently. Well, all three of those units split up and take over three locations that used to be owned by other people who are part of the exodus. So that one apartment turned into three apartments being taken over. So it, because the price dropped, three people found that they could live out there on their own again. And that actually caused the prices for subsequent uh, leasees to have to pay more because the price went up. So we are, like usual, our own worst enemy. I mean, and think about in a large city, I mean, that would have a tremendous effect, right? Because we're talking about an example with one to three, but what if it's a thousand to three thousand or, or whatever it is? Yep, exactly. Um, and, and that's exactly what went on. So while it could have been worse if people left and nobody uh, split out into their own household. It really was kind of moderate. You know, 200,000 people left the direct environ and went outside. I don't know. Um, but you have to admit there's a, there are very few homeowners in the cities. Those people, they're never letting go of the property. If they do, it's somebody with great wealth buying that property. And so the, the idea of owning property is going to get harder and harder, um, always does as population grows. So let's keep on going on to the next article. So I wanted to bring this one into the discussion because um, it's over in the Daily News show. AI could cause patients harm as a result of bias and errors, health experts say. Um, I used to know stats of malpractice um, and you know medical mistakes and stuff like that. And uh, I can honestly say that I would trust an AI um, before a human um, in 99.99% of any of the inquiries into x-rays or CT or whatever, because uh, machines, if coded properly, uh, will detect everything and then notify the human. Now it's up to the human to not derp and go, well, it's a misinterpretation of the x-ray or CT or whatever. This is probably not the stat you wanted uh, because it doesn't have the total, but um, about 15,000 to 18,000 lawsuits are filed each year alleging medical malpractice. Obviously, that's not the same as the incident of medical malpractice, and it doesn't compare it to how many procedures are done. So uh, the article is over at businessinsider.com by Beatrice Nolan. Thanks for the information. Um, I think there's a number down here because I think I saw it somewhere else, something like 60,000 um, reviews or something like that. But um, so public health experts are raising the alarm about the potential risks that artificial intelligence could have on human health. Writing in the journal BMJ Global Health, health professionals from UK, US, Australia, Costa Rica and Malaysia said that while healthcare could benefit from AI, the technology, quote, 
also has the potential to produce negative health impacts, end quote. Yeah, so do humans. All right, let's provide some evidence. But of- remember our breathalyzer article was all about like AI can improve healthcare. Yep. And uh, then they, it says here, they said the use of AI in healthcare could worsen social and health inequalities, either by incorporating human biases and discrimination or by deploying AI in ways that reinforce social inequalities in access to healthcare. Yeah, n- no, it, it, <laughs> it isn't the AI. It's the greedy bastards that are employing the AI. You know, AI is supposed to, like the work product situation, it's supposed to enable equity, inclusion, access. It's supposed to open doors. It's supposed to lower the cost. It's supposed to make the doctors more effective. But that's not what the MBAs that actually run the establishment are saying. They're saying, well, we're using the latest tool so we can jack the freaking price up 50%. And that makes it unattainable except for the rich and powerful, politically connected, etc. Which is exactly what I said several days ago. This is the problem that I see. This is the dystopian that we are charging forward to. And while I'm using Midjourney and ChatGPT for experiments um, and thumbnail art for the show, there are other people out there that are utilizing it for way more good and bad. What is the medical profession doing? Great good? Great. They smack you on the back and say, thank you for your copay. Thank you for the insurance. We're going to jack the price up even more now that we're using AI. Instead of enabling better work-life balance and the ability to get medical attention. The experts also raise concerns about data privacy and security. Again, that has nothing to do with AI. Practice safe cybersecurity uh, policy and procedure. Don't go completely just, off your own. Go ahead. I just heard something interesting about healthcare um, outside of the U.S. Um, in certain countries that have, say, socialized medicine, if you're over a certain age and it's not as old as you think, you're kind of out of luck with respect to medical care and follow-up. And I wonder, it just made me think about, will AI compound problems like that? And I know there are decision makers using AI. It's not that the AI is good or bad, Um, or will it actually help prevent problems like that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either because I can predict, well, I can suggest, I can hint that no, it's not going to change that dynamic because the culture accepts it. So the only thing that AI is going to do is increase the margin so that there's more profits consolidated to the already wealthy and powerful. So um, I don't see much difference coming. I mean, more people will get healed. Yes. Because of AI. Yes. But it'll also cost more and it will also um, be imbalanced because there's going to be a lower tier of people that are working ever harder. And then their upper echelon, that's going to be making more of the money because of pay inequality and equity. Okay. Um, 
I'm really anxious to get into this next one because it kind of knocks on the same door as everything else we're talking about. So this uh, final article, did I not do it again? Doggone it. I didn't do it again. Hold on a second. Do, 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 do. Did I not? Okay. So I did that one. I didn't throw that one into chat. One of these days I'll get it right. Okay. And then this one. Doink. And boom. there you go. Okay. So this last article for tonight um, is in the late night geeks channel. Disney will bring Hulu content into Disney plus and raise its ad free prices. Hmm. Where have you heard this? I, I wonder. Think maybe Mayor Watt may have stated this quite a while ago. Huh. Or what does Mayor? I should say. What does Mayor Watt say about mergers and acquisitions? Customers lose and prices go up. That's not a direct quote, but paraphrased. Uh, yeah, it's the it's a direct quote. You might as well. I I accept a direct quote from that. Yeah. So, okay. Disney is combining Hulu and Disney Plus into a single streaming app. During Disney's Q2 earnings call on Wednesday, CEO Bob Iger announced that the company is going to create a one app experience within the U.S. and said that it's raising the price of its ad free plan, which currently costs $10.99 a month. So now we're going to be paying $100 plus a year. Probably, I'd say that this is probably going to go to $13.99. I'm going to predict I was thinking $14.99 myself, but yes. <laughs> um, and uh, you know what? Let's just let's just say that it, it's probably going to be fourteen ninety nine. Um, so let's just go over to theverge.com. Emma Roth wrote this article. Disney CEO Bob Iger announced a one app experience is coming later this year for U.S. viewers. Okay, so there's not even just the cost issue. Everybody's going to need a new login. Like, <laughs> this is going to be the thing that I've seen with other companies that have merged and they can't. Like, if you have a Disney login and you have a Hulu login, forget it, right? You're not using that for the new thing. <laughs> oh, I know nothing of what you're talking about. While we continue to offer Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus as standalone options, this is a logical progression for our direct customer offerings that will provide greater opportunities for advertisers while giving bundle subscribers access to more robust and streamlined content, resulting in greater audience engagement and ultimately leading to a more unified streaming experience, Iger said. That's the quote. All right. But... If you're consolidating all of this stuff, shouldn't it all be cheaper now? Because you're not duplicating services? Yeah, it should be. Like, your infrastructure costs should be lower, your overhead, whatever. Yeah, you'd think, but we know that the price is not going to go down. Yeah, so they're going to make their money back in maybe one quarter. And then they're not going to go, oh, you know, we really were, you know, 
paying all of the bills and having some extra juice so that we can go and um, do a, a, a double whatever with uh, Apple to catch somebody that's leaking stuff. And, you know, I'm just, know. I'm just, I'm <laughs> just blabbing. Let's remember, too, this is a monthly subscription. Yeah. So if what you're saying is right, somebody yeah. could be paying for 10 years or whatever at higher prices. I mean, it or, you know, just the point is in perpetuity. It's yeah. not like a one time where it's suddenly expensive. It's going to be every single month for their existence. Yeah, that that's that's just how it works. And Disney had already just up, um, increased their pricing for uh, the Disney Plus service. I, I just, God, I got rid of a company because they kept on jacking the prices up. Now I'm at the number three. Um, the uh, the service that I'm at now is the number three service in terms of subscribers and i'm waiting for that to start jacking the price up again and again oh and i've well, done and i was twice. actually thinking another company you had a similar experience with although it wasn't quite identical i mean within the last six months i'd say you lost two companies that you we had, had been a long time customer of yeah one for 20 years <laughs> 22 years <laughs> Yeah, they, that company, man, they really, they went downhill. And I have since found out a lot of stuff about the company basically being a kind of shitting the bed kind of company. But um, then, um, and then uh, DirecTV just absolutely sucked. Anyway. Yeah, and I kind of predicted this, by the way, everybody. Um, I said that uh, Hulu and, and Disney Plus and all of this was going to consolidate into something uh, much smaller, supposed to be streamlined, but basically they're just going to do away with Hulu. Do Hulu had a horrible interface anyway, and I didn't want anything that they had to offer because that interface was horrible, um, at least to me. And um, it, it was awful. Yeah, even the AI, which works at the code level, doesn't even like that interface for crying out loud. I mean, the code must have been really funky. Yeah. That's pretty good. Anyway, Iger added that uh, the combined app will roll out by the end of the calendar year and that the company will share details in the future. Well, you can't you can't offer more details in the past there, bub. Well, and, you know, we don't have enough rising prices and expenditures near the end of the year for the holidays. So that's definitely time to jack the prices up. Nope. nope. No responsibilities for anything else. Merry Christmas, everybody. Your bills are increasing. <laughs> Here, let's go all the way back to the front page. And uh, the welcome sign, which still isn't there. And mash that button and it'll refresh and throw 50 new articles and there really are there's 50 here but you can change that to 25 and go page after page after page dun 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 um 
I cannot count how many articles. Uh, well, I can. As a matter of fact, I could run a report and find out how many per day. But anyway, um, yeah, there's there's so much here. It all gets funneled into six categories. So you'll find one that you enjoy and you can just click on it and it'll take you to a similar page like this. It's actually going to be changing here soon. Maybe a couple of weeks from now, um, the touch interface will be. Oh, it's going to be so much nicer for y'all on mobile. On the desktop, it's a little it's going to be a little bit different um, in the way that it processes. Um, but you're going to get a really neat feature and um, I already have plans for the next step in that feature. So um, I. Yeah, I have I have hopes for hometown. Um, so stick around, folks, go and sign up, become a citizen. I'm working on the process of hooking you into Mastodon because Mastodon is operational. Um, and I'm not prepared to show it uh, right now, but um, you can go to citizen.omtown.com and sign up right now. I just don't want to throw another tab on here. Last time I did that, I had to buy that person a new hat. Anyway, that's it for today. It is what, May 10th, 2023. Been doing the show for an hour and a half already. Hope to see you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. What say you, AI? Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow. And don't forget to follow if you're not already a follower. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Follower is the term, but uh, I I want you to be a citizen of hometown. Um, wherever you sign up, wherever you quote unquote follow, um, if you're here on Twitch or if you're on YouTube or the podcast, um, you are a citizen of hometown. If you like the content, um, please follow, like, subscribe, ring the bell. Uh, what what do they call I, I don't know if they call it subscribe over on a podcast. Subscribe there. There's all catch kinds of different pod? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> pod, yeah, catch the pod. Hey, that would be that would be a fun shirt from hometown. Catch the pod. Okay, well, I guess I know what I'm going to be doing this weekend. See you tomorrow, folks.